are now tuning in to the Mind Body Podcast, where you will go behind the scenes of how the mind of successful entrepreneurs, experts, and true leaders really works. Here you won't just listen, you will understand the guiding principles to create massive change in any area of your life. And of course, this podcast is hosted by the strong, lovely, with the sexy Jewish accent, Lidor Dayan. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Mind Body Podcast. I'm your host, Lidor Dayan. And what a podcast do I have for you today? Our guest today was predicted to not survive more than 24 hours because of a rare bone disorder that stunt his growth and caused his bones to be extremely fragile. Despite the challenges he faced, he is taking a stand for a quality of life that has reached millions of people around the world, including Sir Richard Branson, President Clinton, and His Holiness the 14th Dalai Lama. He is the three-foot giant, Sean Stevenson. Sean has appeared on everything from the Oprah show to online videos with hundreds of millions of views. His message has been heard at live events in over 16 countries and 48 states in the past 23 years. Sean's latest book, Get Off Your Butt, has swept the US and been released in almost a dozen languages around the world. Sean is indeed a human example for all of us that no matter what life throws at us, the challenges, the problems, the pain, the suffering, none of them are stronger than the number one thing we all share in common, which is the human spirit. The spirit of love, the spirit of connection, the spirit of passion, determination, courage, So always remember that it's not any event that shapes our destiny, it's all in our decisions. So without further ado, please welcome the one, the only, Sean Stevenson. Thank you very much Sean Stevenson for being at the Mind Body Podcast. I'm really, really, really honored to have you on my podcast. So uh, maybe some uh, are not really uh, familiar with you. So would you like to maybe introduce yourself? So most people know me through my uh, viral videos that have gone around the world a couple times over. Uh, I've been a professional speaker now for 23 years, speaking to audiences as little as few people in the audience, like five people, all the way up to well over 15,000 people at one time. And I am a board-certified therapist with a practice here in Scottsdale, Arizona, where I work with high-achieving entrepreneurs. And I'm happily married and living the dream. This is really, really amazing because uh, I interview many people from really like different uh, industries and many people have you know challenges and problems because problems are part of our life but uh, there are some people that have all the reasons and the challenges that life give them but still find a way to push through and uh, overcome the odds and develop a magnificent life so I really want to really understand how you shift your mind and um, because I saw some of your videos and you really share a lot of love and you really like uh, really give uh, love to everybody and I really want to understand it was there is any trigger point in your life that made the shift what what was it for you? I think it was a series of trigger points over the course of my life. Uh, I had a lot of physical pain growing up as a child. Uh, I was born with a rare bone disorder that caused my bones to be extremely fragile. So something as simple as sneezing would fracture ribs. And uh, by the time I was 18, I had fractured over 200 times. So I had a lot of time by myself 
to think about life and to think about others. I spent a lot of time uh, around adults when I was young, so I think that helped to shape my understanding of the world at an earlier age. I believe that a lot of where I'm at in my life today with the amount of love that I have to give is because I've had to be exposed to a lot of different challenges and when I picked the uh, behaviors and attitudes of being bitter and angry, I noticed that nothing good came of that. I didn't get any new friends, I didn't make any more money, I didn't have a better quality of life. But when I chose to be more loving and inspiring and positive, that helped to attract love, it helped to attract friendship, money, uh, and opportunities. So it was more of a trial and error. I found when I got bitter, I pushed the things away that I wanted. And when I became grateful and loving, I attracted them to me. And how do you condition yourself to it? Because I can tell you from my own experience, like I, I really do my best to live in gratitude and somehow when I have some problems and challenges, I always sabotage myself, I always like focus on the wrong things and it's frustrating me and it's getting me like, like Deep, not I will not say depressed, but it's really getting me upset, and and I always like, but I I try to like, uh, okay, understand other people's and and it still frustrates me. Well, you have to be patient with yourself, and you know, don't assume because you have seen my videos and uh, you heard of me that I'm always this positive. Um, I have a lot, a lot, a lot of days so I journal and that helps me a lot to keep tabs on my feelings and my patterns and my routines. You know, a lot of what happens when people are frustrated with themselves is they are not scheduled, they're not routine. They don't have routines to say when they're going to take care of their health when they're going to take care of their wealth, when they're going to take care of their relationships. So I find that, myself included, uh, when we're most frustrated with ourselves because we're drifting and we're just doing things haphazardly and we're not being uh, structured about it. Now, even with structure, your problems aren't going to go away. You mentioned it at the beginning of this interview. Problems are a part of life. And they make us a lot better because, or they can, because they strengthen us. They keep our mind shut. We're always critical thinking and having the problem solved. And just being patient, setting up routines and rituals. And then, of course, I think a big part of a really good attitude and um, staying positive is making sure that you're surrounding yourself with an empowering environment. If, you, if you, you do great routines and you write down your affirmations and you do all this self-care, but you're in an environment of very negative, toxic people, it's going to wear on you. And, but can you, if you're still around negative people, can you still maybe influence them? Well, I look at it this way. Why swim upstream? Why uh, choose to take on that? heavy battle of trying to convince people to have a better attitude when it's hard enough to have your own good attitude. Uh, I think it's a lot easier and you will keep your sanity if you just choose to only surround yourself with empowering people. I, I have cut out friends and close family members in my life who just could not stay positive and were constantly looking at what was wrong, we're being negative and toxic. And it's it's hard to do that. It's hard to have very clear boundaries where you say, this is the kind of person I hang around with. I only want to be around people that have the attitude that I like to have myself. Like if I take you for your early years of your career when you just started, did you have a lot of expectations from other people? Because I, I see like for myself when you have so many 
expectation about how people are going to react. Maybe when you are studying your seminars and you do your public speakings, then you are really anticipate to people to maybe react and be in certain way that it can get you maybe frustrated and like, oh, why they did this or they said this. So how did you overcome it? If you have it. Well, I, I, I had to stop caring what other people think of me. I had to uh, realize that if you try to get your happiness and your feeling of self-worth and success to be determined by other people's opinions of you, you'll go, you'll go crazy. You'll literally go nuts if you're constantly checking in with, are you living up to people's expectations? Because you'll go through periods where you just won't where you will not come anywhere near uh, people's expectations. But that's about them. I think successful people set their own limits and they see what they're driving for themselves. So did I have lots of people counting on me? Maybe like family and friends, but I had to work on setting my own internal standards. And I'm way harder on myself than anybody else would ever be with me. My expectations uh, are very high. And I have to be, as I get older, I have to be more and more gentle with my own self-worth because I feel like I haven't, on some days, done anything with my life, that I'm not successful at all because I'm comparing it to something outside of me. But when I think about how far I've come in the course of my life, I'm very proud of myself. There is always a room for improvement, of course, because there is like, no matter what, it's like you, we always say like, get out of your comfort zone. When you get out of your comfort zone, you get to another comfort zone, right? It's just like, I think it's all about building the muscle in everything, like problems. When you have a problem and you're like, okay, you overcome that problem, then you have better muscle. You build the muscle and now you, you increase your muscle about uh, how to, you can uh, get into problems and same in any other areas of life. And I used to think and believe like, okay, there must be a moment when everything changed, but it's, it's like, okay, moment that after a moment and you, it's an over time thing. You need to always, I believe, think long term, not like something short. When you change this and you understand it and it can get all the overwhelm and frustration out of you. Sounds like you figured it out. So I want to ask you how how did you condition yourself like to really I, I know you said like okay I, I, I uh, have moments in my life that I uh, feel uh, a little bit bad or upset but you don't live there so how do you okay you understand what's going on and how, how do you take control of your mind because we create emotion right emotions comes from how we use our body what we focus on and what is the meaning we give it once we change one of those three we can change every emotion we feel but Sometimes you know everything, but you still do it. You still, because <laughs> I, I teach this stuff. I teach this stuff on seminars, and sometimes I get caught up, and I know wh why I'm doing everything, but I'm still doing. Is there a question there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, uh, how can you, 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 you just decide and and what because You're still gonna have days where you're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna still have 
days where you're going to do the very thing you know is not going to help you. And what I had to do is just set myself up so that those opportunities of negative choices are not available. So, like, if you only want to eat healthy at your house, only bring in groceries that are quality food. If you want to be in great shape, you got to get a trainer and commit to a time to be there and have them follow up with you because you have to set things to be inevitable. You have to set up your life so that you don't have to think or fight or struggle with temptations. You want to set yourself up to win so that you're not beating yourself up because you made a wrong choice. Instead, you want to set it up so that you get conditioned habitually to do the right thing because you pre-planned it. You know, most of the time our life is falling apart because we don't have a plan. We don't have a clear routine or ritual. Um, this is also why it's important to hire coaches like yourself who keep people accountable and keep them on track and inspire them on things that they don't feel like doing it anymore. We have to get through the experience of life as a team, and we can't do it on our own 100% of the time. There is a matter of collaboration and cooperation that has to play a part. I believe, I, I really love to study, you must be familiar with Tony Robbins, of course. And I study, <laughs> and I study so much about this guy, like all his books, I read, like listen everything and I translated almost everything. I even been in a Date With Destiny and translated everything to my language, Hebrew. And I believe we all, of course, have rules, right? We have must rules and we have uh, rules to become happy or sad. I want to ask you what uh, must happen in order for you to feel happy or sad, for example? Amazon. 
but those are the only those are only the people that are willing to say something. There's a lot more people that never say anything. They were in that thing, but they they never come out of the woodwork telling me. And that's why, like, when I'm able to hear that I had an impact on someone, that makes me feel really good and feel happy. But again, not as happy as achieving something that I set out to take care of myself because it's it's got to be self-driven happiness. Um, I get really sad when I'm fixated on my problems, on what I think is not fair. I get really sad when I listen to the news and hear people just tearing each other apart. Uh, and so that's why a lot of, a lot of my happiness is is protected by being very clear on filtering what information I allow into my consciousness. You know, I, I'm very clear. I don't follow people on social media that are tearing into people and saying mean or awful things. Uh, I don't watch the news. If I, if I can avoid the news, I do. Uh, I don't hang out with people that are negative and angry all the time. Because I know that my my feelings and my my overall well being is influence, and I choose what influences I want around. Don't you think we live in a culture that ninety nine percent of the population have so many rules that it's so hard to be happy and it's so easy to be upset or or sad? Like I can go outside. Really, like, oh, such a beautiful day, and all of a sudden, a person, I, I tell a person, "Hey, good morning, sir," and they tell me, "Go f yourself," and just this can ruin somebody's days, right? I'm not saying personally, but a lot of people just give some words, automatically creates their like, "Oh my God, this guy is so mean, he's so this," and it takes all of their there. And we make it so... Again, that, you can't determine your happiness based on how other people feel. That's why I teach people that you need to be happy that you just said something nice to him. You don't have control over what he says. You can't let that affect the rest of your day. You can't be upset. And I, and I don't believe that 99% of people. Uh, I believe that a lot of people really want... To be happy and to feel I think all people want to feel good uh, some people just don't know how to generate it from within and that's why when I'm upset I have to take full ownership over the fact I chose to be upset that no one can make me feel anything I had a great uh, explanation that every moment is like an invitation to a party. And you either get invited to be at an angry party, you get invited to be at a happy party, you get invited to be at a silly party. Everybody's always inviting you to their party. And you can choose to RSVP no. You can say, no, I'm not going to attend this angry party. I'm not going to attend this fearful party. I'm not going to attend this dramatic panic party. I only say yes to parties that are about abundance, about gratitude, about love, about happiness, about laughter. And I've been accused of a lot of things in my day. I've been accused of wearing rose-colored glasses, acting like, you know, I only want to look at what's good. But I, the people that are accusing me of that are some of the most miserable people I know. So I don't take advice from miserable people. Mm-hmm. The, the thing is like we can know it like you said you can know it intellectually but sometimes our nervous system automatically reacts so you can try and like say like I can and, and I can say like somebody tell me something I, I can tell myself okay people are not their behaviors people are not their behaviors and still you know you, you get that emotion into you you feel some kind of stretch in your body. Do you, how do you train yourself to don't feel this? Because <laughs> sometimes it can get through really... You're right, you're right. You can't avoid the feeling, uh, but 
you need to move the energy through you. A lot of pain and disease and problems are energy that's stuck in our body. And this is why we have to exercise, this is why we have to meditate, this is why we have pray, believe in prayer. Because um, you need to move the energy through you in whatever makes you feel safe and comfortable. And when you're around toxic people, it's easy to feel that that rubs off on you. But again, I'm very clear on who I will hang out with. If somebody is bringing a bad attitude, I will remind myself, that's not about you. That's about their choices. That's about what's running their unconscious mind, what limiting beliefs that they choose to hold. You know, I know people whose limiting belief about the world is that the world is a mean, awful, dangerous place. And when you hang out with that type of person, they filter everything that's happening through the world is a mean, dangerous place. And I just, I know if you hang out with that person long enough, you will have a negative impact on them. What was your biggest fear and how did you overcome it? My biggest fear was standing up to one of my business partners and, and going my own way and deciding that my life was on my terms and that I was going to run my own company and I didn't need them. Uh, I didn't need to deal with their drama or their pain or their judgments any longer. And I've been this business partner for years and to stand up to them and say no more, that was one of the hardest things I ever had to do. And how did you still do it? I did it shaking. You what? I did it all while I was shaking, you know? Uh, a lot of people think that you gotta you gotta psych yourself up and until you finally feel confident and then you can go do it. And I found that that's not really how it works. That most of the decisions that I made that I was scared to make, I was practically trembling while I did it. I was visibly shaken uh, while I was in the process of doing it, but I didn't back down, I didn't quit. And that's the difference is if you're willing to die for what you are going after and what you believe in and what you stand for, then you'll just keep changing your behavior and you'll keep changing your approach until you achieve what you want or die trying. It's it, This is the, a great example of what courage is. Because courage is like you have the fear but you do it anyway. You feel it in you but you just do it instead of just letting fear hold you. But like I can tell from my own experience, my one of my biggest fears was, two biggest fears, is public speaking, which is, I think, many, many people have it, like to be in front of people and talk, especially about personal stuff. And the second one was uh, about uh, uh, like going and meeting new women. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's like for me, like going and meeting somebody that I don't know, I don't know how she's gonna react to me, was really fr- frustrating me. I can like just become another person. It's like I can be very confident, but when I meet somebody new, hi, <laughs> and it's like a different person. And it still frustrated me. I still have those feelings. And I try to learn NLP stuff and. Uh, like uh, or, or uh, Eric hypnosis and all of this kind of stuff. Still. <laughs> well, what's what's your fear? I I, I don't I, I think it's a feel of rejection, uh, of something that happened in the past that was really emotional. And yeah. So go get some more rejection and see that you're gonna live. Yes, I, 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 I tell it to myself, but like we said, you know it intellectually, but then your body frees. Yeah. And I'm going to say the same thing to you that I've been saying to myself, which is you need to be gentle with yourself to know that you can't beat the fear out of you. Like 
energetically vibrant. You have to be encouraging. You have to be a loving, masculine uh, father figure to yourself and say, hey, what's the worst that's going to happen? Come on, I know you're scared, but go talk to her. And the same thing with public speaking is the same thing with dating. Whenever we're afraid, it's because we're focused on ourselves. We're thinking about what we want and our objectives and our goals. If you become unattached and you think about the other person or the crowd and you care about helping, it's easy to finally let go of that fear. You know, fear of public speaking is fear of it being judged, which is fear of worrying about what people think, which is a selfish thought. You know, when you get up on stage and you think about the kind of pain that is in your audience and the kind of challenges that people are bringing. I do this activity at one of my speaker trainings where I have somebody come up on stage that's very, very afraid of public speaking. And I sit them down in a chair next to me and I say, I'm going to speak. And they say, well, my body trembles, my hands get clammy, my mouth gets dry, um, my heart races, I take shallow breaths, I feel like I'm going to die. And then I'm like, okay, you stay here. And then I go out to the audience and I find 10 people who are going through painful things in their life right now. And I make them come up to a microphone in front of this person. And all they do is they share their pain. And then they say at the end of their, their chair, I need your help to that person that's afraid of public speaking. And you can see, mm. as we go through the 10 people, somebody shares that their wife died and that they haven't been able to sleep in three years. Somebody else will say that their kid was killed by a drunk driver and they don't know if they'll ever let go of their anger. Somebody else will say that they were sexually assaulted and held against their will and they are so scared to ever find uh, love or be in a romantic relationship they think they're going to be hurt. And I hear about somebody who lost hundreds of thousands of dollars because their business partner cheated them out of the money. And they hear about how somebody right there in front of them has cancer and only a 15% chance of living another year. And they hear about all these different pain and problems about how their children have disabilities and they're, they're getting teased and, and about how they're getting bullied at work and how they're, they lost their job and they don't know how they're going to pay their mortgage and start hearing all these people sharing all this pain and as the activity is going on the person that's on stage that supposedly is afraid of public speaking they start to melt and they stop they stop thinking about themselves because they're hearing all this pain in the room that they couldn't see before. And then by the time we get to that 10th person and they're done sharing, I ask the person on stage who's afraid of public speaking, how do you feel? And they never say, my hands are clammy. They never say my heart is racing. They never say that they're sweating. They say I'm shocked. I'm sad. I'm present. I'm mindful to what these people are going through. I'm I'm feeling empathy. I'm I'm blown away by people's honesty. And I'll say, well, what happened to your fear of public speaking? And they'll say, I don't know on these people's pain that I knew it was silly for me to be so worried about being up here on the stage after hearing what all these people are going through right now. And that's what I remind people, that your fears are oftentimes rooted in selfishness. They're rooted in, what are they going to think about me? Are they going to like me? But if you show up in a place of service, wanting to make a difference, wanting to help people, wanting to get to know their story, figure out their pain, to see what makes them tick, see where they feel that they've been really badly hurt. And when you come from that 
place of empathy, you stop thinking about yourself and your, your fear begins to evaporate. So I don't know if that helps you or helps you get some understanding, but that's how I teach people to get through their fear of public speaking. I totally understand this because the best speaking comes when you are really like I know when I'm authentic and I out of my head then it's real because when I'm I'm too scared or I'm too thinking about what's gonna happen how they're gonna react then it's it's not there is a wall I can talk all day I can show presentation videos but it's not authentic when I see through, when I'm actually there, I see the pain, I see the people that needs my help and not just focusing on me. And I think it's the same like if, if we take again like uh, for all the guys that uh, being afraid of uh, like going out to a woman, I remember seeing a video of Richard Bendler, the NLP founder, and he said, think about, peop- uh, about the women like she is more shy than you. Think about people that are, that are, that are all more shy than yourself. Like, like, get out of yourself, right? Because everybody have their own story, their own pain, their own... Like, if we always think like, why is doing this? Why is rejecting me? We are always inside instead of see what's there. Comes back to compassion. Mm-hmm. I am my happiest when I am serving others in pain. I am my most miserable when I am fixated on my own pain. This is the same as what happens right now because I was so focused here and I was so frustrated. But I'm I feel the happiest. I don't care. Like I can make more money, but. I feel just when when I, I see like the high, the eyes of people light, the eyes of people like, oh my God, you, you changed my life, you helped me so much. This is what drives me. This is what's like, ah, this is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Awesome. Uh, another topic I wanted to talk with you, it's about relationship. <laughs> Uh, how do you find your true soulmate and what do you believe uh, is a must to create really love and passion in a relationship? Because you have a great relationship. Yeah, but it's not been easy. Um, I've been married five years and together with her for seven. And there's been probably three times where it was really difficult. We discussed getting a divorce because things were challenging. But we always came back to we wanted it to work. We both wanted to do the internal work on ourselves so that we would find that our problems were that we weren't doing enough work on ourselves. And when we went back to working on ourselves, the relationship uh, was very clear that it was meant to be and it was effortless when we were doing the work on ourselves. But, you know, uh, finding a, a soulmate takes a few things. It takes patience, which no one ever wants to hear. Uh, it takes doing the research on what's important to you because what you think might be important and what really is important to you may be two different things. I thought it was important to have a woman that is uh, super fun and social and would go out and uh, wear sexy clothes and look good on my arm and uh, be spontaneous and uh, crazy and fun. That's what I thought I wanted in my earlier days. But once I got that, I found that it, for me, it wasn't everything I thought it would be. That it was sometimes exhausting, sometimes it was a letdown, sometimes it was chaotic, sometimes it was frustrating, and that 
in the end, I ended up desiring a soulmate who was more introverted, who was more uh, from a homebody that would rather stay in a book. We'd rather get with a small group of maybe two or three people and not go out in groups of 20 uh, that wanted to go to bed early and not be up crazy late so that then we could have a good day the next morning. Um, I found that I wanted somebody that was more intellectual than uh, social. And when I finally got to a level of maturity where I realized, oh, there's more to life than just the party and being the life of the party, that, you know, your 20s and your 30s, they're a period of time where you're really trying to figure out what is important to you. And then as you move on, you probably have a pretty good idea, and then you want to sustain what is important to you. So for me, I have had a lot of good success in my career, and it's far, far more important to me in my relationship that somebody is going to be stable and somebody is going to be uh, true to their word. When they say they're going to do something, do they do it? Are they going to be uh, forgiving and know that I'm not perfect? Are they going to be gentle and know that when I'm sick or hurt or, or tired or injured that they're going to support me? You know, maturity has helped a lot in the process of finding and nurturing the relationship I have. I am even seven years into this relationship. I'm finding new, new things all the time that I love about her, that I love about being with her. Uh, but it's because I continue to do the work on myself. If you want to find an incredible soulmate, you have to be patient. You have to do the work on yourself. You have to figure out what's important to you. And you have to grow up. You know, a lot of men, uh, we, we want a woman that will be by our side and faithful and uh, authentic and loving. But are we willing to be mature and match her with all those qualities? And I find a lot of guys say they want a relationship but what they really want is they just want uh, an arm candy. And then when they get it, they don't know why it's not working. It's, it's like you got to be the person you want to attract. Yeah. And it's, it's so true. Because uh, as long as you have the same mentality... Like, do you think if you have a lot, a lot of rules of the right person that you want to be, it's make it even more hard? Because for, for one, you say you don't want to settle, right? You don't want to settle, you want really a good person to be with. But if you have so many rules about how she needs to be, it becomes impossible to actually find her. But then you say, but what, if I cut all of this, then I'm settling. <laughs> You need to have two lists. I think you need to have a few lists, but at least two. Uh, one is your deal breakers. What's a deal breaker for you? Like, I could never date or be married to somebody that smokes cigarettes. Mm -hmm. Couldn't do it. I can't, I can't be in a relationship with somebody who's not into personal growth. If they don't want to work on themselves, I can't be with them. That's a deal breaker for me. Um, for me, I can't be with somebody that is going to be dangerous and uh, taking risks with my life and theirs. Um, what are your deal breakers? And then the second list is what would be nice? You know, it would be nice, like I had on my list, it would be nice if she was a sassy Latina, you know, from Mexico or something, or, or had Spanish descent. And, my girl doesn't have that at all. And in the end, it doesn't matter. But that was something that I had on my list. Uh, one of the things on my really nice list was that she liked to travel. Well, my wife likes to travel. 
Um, one of them I might really nice would be, does she like to read? Well, my, my wife likes to read. So one was, I wanted to be with a girl who liked video games. My wife does not like video games. But it was not a deal breaker for me. I didn't care if she didn't like video games. As long as she was okay with me liking them, then I was fine with that. Um, so you got to figure out, like, what are the things that have to be that, and then what are the things that would be nice you know, and the would be nice, you can load that up as long as you want and make that a very long list. And you'll get some, but you won't get all, more than likely. And if you do get all, that's awesome. But I found that in a relationship, you have to make sure that you're getting your deal breakers. Because if you don't, it will never work out. When I find couples that are straining, they're straining their marriage, because one wants personal growth and one doesn't care about it. Yeah, I, I really like it that you said that uh, what would be nice because I, I now understand because for me it was what must, <laughs> not what what's is nice. <laughs> and when it's a must, then you can never get it, right? Because it's, ah, it's must right. be. But would be nice, it's... It would be nice and that's why you had 20 would be nice and you got 16 of them or 12 of them, great. Um, but if you made those all musts, you'd be setting up in a, a perfect scenario that may be impossible to find or set that person up to fail. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Last question that I wanted to ask you is that I ask all the people, what would be the legacy you would like to live long after you won't be here? The people know my cure to insecurity, uh, which is very simple, self-care. You gotta take great care of yourself. And if that, if that mindset becomes a regular staple in the human consciousness, I've left a really good legacy that when a human being is feeling insecure and feeling afraid and they're making all kinds of excuses, they just need to get back to their self-care list. They need to work on their mind, their body, and their spirit. And, and as they're on their self-care list, their insecurities begin to melt away. And if that can permeate into uh, the fabric of conversations for generations to come because of me, then I'd be very, very pleased with my legacy. What would be maybe four or five main principle you would give to somebody to actually take care of themselves if we look at uh, some sort of a tool or something that they, they can do daily? speak with you you're an amazing soul and uh, I really thank you very much also uh, I want to ask you where can we find you yes so I would uh, recommend the Sean Stevenson show.com so that the Sean S-E-A-N Stevenson S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-O-N dot the Sean Stevenson show S-H-O-W.com that would be the first place to start Great. Thank you very much, man. You heard it from the best, Sean Stevenson. Thank you.
If you enjoyed this interview or any other one from the Mind Body Podcast, feel free to subscribe to my podcast at iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and at my YouTube channel. Also, feel free to share this podcast on Instagram by tagging the Mind Body Podcast. Do you want to be a part of the Mind Body Podcast? So remember the fast factor. The fast factor stands for one, Facebook. Become a part of the Mind Body Podcast community by joining our Facebook community just by searching on Facebook the Mind Body Podcast community. Number two, act. Don't just be a passive listener. Act upon what you've just learned by applying one simple thing from any episode or interview. Three, subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or if you're visual like me, then just search the Mind Body Podcast on YouTube. And number four, train others. Because just like I always say, leaders create leaders and you're all here to grow together. And by training others, you're training yourself. So this is the fast factor. Remember it. Facebook, act, subscribe and train others. Oh, and please feel free to leave a review which will engage all your VAC senses. And the VAC senses stands for visual, auditory and kinesthetic which when you use all the three combined, you remember stuff much better. For more information about my coaching, public speaking and taking your mind and body to all new levels, check my site at lidodayan.com. Till then, never, ever forget to smile. See you soon.